in First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen, we find um, there, there's a there's a challenge here, and I'm gonna read this to you as we open up. It says, "Rejoice evermore." comes with this next charge of pray without ceasing. Then there's a next area, and this is a challenge for all of us. And let me just tell you real fast, it matters who you're around, and you can oftentimes gauge what you're feeling in your life by looking around and trying to figure out, are those that I'm spending my time with, are they rejoicing? And I'm not, when I say pray without ceasing, it's okay to have a conversation with somebody about fishing and not feel like you got to stop and take a prayer in the middle of it, okay? Just understand that real fast. But let me, let me move on and we'll get, we'll get there. But in verse 18 it says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's, there's a challenge here, and I, the first thing I want you to understand is there is a necessity of prayer. There's a necessity for you and I to have this in our lives. And, and I want you to get this real fast. And I've got a few slides there, Sister April, to help us out and stay focused. But, but there's a necessity that you and I have to have. And the purpose for that is, is that you and I have to have a daily walk. Now, let me just help you understand real fast. I'm all about corporate prayer. I'm all about all of us coming together. And I know that we're going to have more of that. Let me just say again. We challenge you at times to pray at home because some of these great people are here every night of the week right now. And I don't want to get, don't get confused. But what I'm talking to about tonight is not make sure you come and you, you, you join with us. That's always welcome. We want you to do that. We, that's always there. It's not always easy for everybody. I'll, I'll stop trying to qualify everything. I think you know my spirit. But there should be a, a regular time for you at home to spend time in prayer, whether that be the morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is, my challenge to you would be to wake up and make it a point to spend time with the Lord, to forecast and set your day. You say, well, I get up at five. I know that's difficult, but I would challenge you to get up a little earlier and just say, I don't, I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, if you start with five minutes, pretty soon you're going to want 10 minutes. And after that, you're going to want 15 or 30. And then you're going to just go ahead and extend that into your drive to work. And you're going to spend some time just, just in that mindset. Because when you begin to spend that time with the Lord, you find out the power that comes with that. And you, you understand the encouragement that you gain from that. But not only that, you understand the control you take over your mind throughout the day. Not everything looks bad when you've spent time with the Lord. Not everything looks bad when you've, when you've walked with him already and you've, you've, you've had conversation with him already. And so we find here some things in this first part that I want to talk to you about the necessity of prayer is we find in 1 Thessalonians that we ought to rejoice always. That's the opposite of our thinking because my thinking oftentimes is complain often. Why? Because I'm just a man. I'm just human. Isn't that right? I'm just, it's easy. It's easy for me to come in and be like, well, it ain't going to be good tonight. It's too cold up in here. It's not going to be good. And I'm not picking on anybody. It's easy for me to do that. Today, my wife has gotten to where she likes uh, a nice coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. 
I like good coffee, usually not powder coffee or whatever that stuff is. And so I decided, that was a little joke, didn't land well. Um, but I decided I'm going to have my, my, I know this sounds bad, but I got one of these iced matcha things. I decided I'm going to try it. I drank some of uh, one of the kids the other day, and I thought it was good. I didn't want one of the coffees, so I just thought I'm going to get that. When I got it, it was that far from the top. And my thinking is, if I'm going to be charged five seventy eight for a drink, and you're going to take 20% off, then you ought to give me a 20% discount. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm the kind of guy that when I go through a restaurant and they say, your, your sandwich that comes with cheese, mustard, and ketchup, and lettuce, pickled tomato, all the above, if I say no cheese and they don't take money off of it, but when I add cheese, they add 79 cents, is there a problem with that with anybody else? Do you find that to be a problem? Not long ago, I went through somewhere and I ordered something, and I, and I, I said, I want no bun. And she said, okay. I said, does that, does that take anything off? She said, no. I said, okay, what if I add a bun? She said, it'll be $2.28 or $2.25, whatever. And I said, so wouldn't it make sense to give that? She said, no, that's not how we do it. I said, okay. She said, do you want the bun? I said, yeah, but put it on the side. She said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> she said, why do you do that? I said, why do you get to keep it? I bought it. It's mine. <laughs> so I... I wasn't being spiteful, just a little bit, but I took my tray, took the bun, put it in the trash, and went to the back and ate my food. Why do I tell these things? <laughs> my tendency sometimes is to look at things the way that man looks at things. We see this as bad. That's not good. This, isn't, this is always bad. It never works out for me. Last night, we wanted a quick meal because we had a long day, and we thought, you know what, we're going to run quickly to Arby's and we're going to grab a quick bite to eat because our living, living situation, we don't have a big kitchen right now and it's not always that easy. And, and so we just thought we're going to run over there. That sounded good. And we pull up and half of our Cadelphia's power's out. And I, I looked at Tara and I said, it's always something. And the reality is, no, it's not. It's not always something. Those big words we use often always, and it never, and be careful with that in your relationships. If you look at somebody and say, you never do this for me, be careful because there's probably somewhere in, their, in your history of recent days where they did do something for you. They, they were kind. So when I looked at her and said, it, it just never works out. Yes, it does. It works out often. So I've got to find a way to shift my thinking. And if I'm spending time in prayer, then oftentimes I would shift my thinking to realize that I've got to rejoice always. And sometimes the Lord's just saying, you didn't eat Arby's anyways, man. <laughs> you didn't eat the fries. You know, like, but I've, I've got to shift my thinking, though, where I'm not looking at everything as so bad and so harmful. And so I've got to realize that this encourages a perpetual state of joy regardless of circumstances. Oftentimes, we, we, we predicate our joy on our circumstances. And the Lord says that you ought to understand that even when circumstances are not good, you can have joy. Even when things aren't looking up, you can have joy. Even when things are tough, you can have joy. You can find joy in whatever it is and whatever you face if you understand where you are at in God. So this also reflects an attitude grounded 
in something that's bigger than us. I have an attitude that, that is grounded in hope and assurance. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. Sometimes bad news comes. Some days bad things happen. Sometimes there are mountains to climb. But thank God I've got hope and assurance that everything's going to be okay in the end. Thank God. Thank God in the end that I walk by faith and not by sight. Thank God that this world is not the end all and be all for me. I know it's hard to fathom sometimes, but thank God I'm not living for this world. I want to be effective. To be honest with you, we ought to be successful. We ought to flourish. We ought to be blessed. We ought to understand that he wants us to be meek and humble, but he does not want us to be broke and cast down. He wants us to be favorable. He wants to have us to have favor. He wants us to live a blessed life. That's in the word. If he didn't want you to be a people that had had favor, then why would he talk about us giving to the poor? If we're going to give to the poor, then we can't always just see ourselves as the poor. So he wants you to have favor. He wants you to be blessed. And so I want you to get that. But also, I'm not living for this world. I've got riches laid up somewhere else. And so when bad days come, I've got a hope and I've got an assurance that this wasn't about everything I was living anyways. There's something greater that I'm living, so I've got to learn to rejoice always. The second thing, apart of this necessity of pr- of, of the prayer of prayer, uh, a portion. Forgive me for stumbling there. Is I've got to learn to pray continually. It gives us this this command of unceasing prayer, ongoing conversation with God. Now, th- this is something I'll be honest with you. I've I've figured out in the last ten to fifteen years how this goes. I'm telling you, I'm not even joking about this. I act like He's riding with me everywhere. You know why? Because he is exactly right. I'm talking about I'll be walking through Walmart and and or or, or the mall, you know, same thing here in Arkadelphia. But I'll be walking and I'll be like, Lord, I pray you, I, I'll talk to somebody on the way by. I'll be like, Lord, I need you to touch those good people. Lord, touch them. I'll see somebody and you, you ever just have that moment you feel like, you just met somebody and they're weighted. You walk by somebody and they just feel oppressed. They feel like there's something sitting on them. And I walk away and say, God, I'm, I'm just asking you to walk with them. I pray whatever their need is. I've, I've seen at times where I've sat in a restaurant, and, I, and I'm not trying to pick on anything easy, but I've watched as maybe a father or a mother is struggling with a child that's, that's got some handicaps, and they're getting them in the car. And I've looked, and I've been so overwhelmed with emotion that I've sat at that table. And I'm not trying to I'm, – I'm, this isn't like a look-at-me type moment. I know you've done the same thing, but I've, I've said, Lord – I pray, touch them right now, God. I pray, give them strength, Lord. Whatever, whatever they're facing right now. What I'm, what I mean by this, pray without ceasing, is this mentality where He's always near. He's always close to us. He's always, He's not, He's not far today. I got to go to the uh, the junior high or the middle school. They call it now. Um, it goes there by the high school, and I was so grateful to get to speak to the the fellowship of Christian athletes, and. And they had a, a, a room packed. Kids were sitting on the side of the classroom. And, and our own Meredith Armstrong is over. I was. Oh, Lord. 
when it goes bad, it really goes really bad. My bad, Mark. I was going to use the headset, and I changed at the end, so forgive me. But I, um, I was able to go in and speak to him. At the end of it, there was one, one young person that had his head down, and I thought it was because he was upset about something. But it turns out that he felt, he felt a challenge. He, he wanted to know more about God. He, he, was, he was wanting, he was feeling a little bit of a, he felt the presence of the Lord in that classroom. And so let me just tell you real fast that, that we've, got to, we've got to be mindful of all that's around us. And we've got to be people that don't just clock in and clock out during prayer times. But we are people of prayer. Amen. We're people of prayer. A constant connection throughout the day. Not limited to specific times and places. But people of prayer. The other part of this necessity of prayer is that I got to learn to give thanks in all circumstances. It's, just, this, it, it's, it's advocating a, um, a gratefulness, a, a, a life of gratitude um, in this, this continuous practice that, that, you know, some people you just feel like are always, you know, glasses half, half empty people. And I'm not saying you live this facade of, well, the glass is half full. But I am saying that you realize that maybe when things aren't great that you stop and you say, well, looks like God's up to something. God's doing something. Challenging situations come, but God's going to work. A a, a gratitude that is not dependent on favorable conditions, but rather it's something that says, you know what? God can work. I know these kind of run together in a sense, but I want you to understand that I've got to learn to give thanks in all circumstances. The, the second part of this lesson, moving, moving on a little bit, I'm going to kind of jump ahead, but there, there's a necessity of prayer. And there's also a reason for prayer. Let me just tell you that, that prayer, it, 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 there's, a, there's a purpose there's a, um, uh, there's a power that comes to us in prayer. There's, um, I, believe, I believe that when you begin to speak in prayer, things that, that oftentimes I can you know, reflect back and where I begin to pray scripture, I begin to pray the promises I felt God. I begin to remind the Lord of what I felt he told me. I be, I've, there's been moments where um, you, some of you know the situation we had with with India at times when we, it was not looking good, to be honest with you, and no one really knew how bad at times India was in the hospital. My youngest, uh, my youngest child, he, he spent at one point um, 21 days out of 35 days he was in the hospital. We got home, he had to go right back, and he was gasping for air. His lungs were shutting down, and it was not good. He still has lasting effects. We're praying that God completely heals him. God's been doing a work, but it, now it's, it's developed into an asthma, but in that time, they, they would tell us they don't know. And I remember going to the church when they t- came and told us that they're testing him not only for um, now what he was facing, but they said his numbers are so off that we're, uh, they just were straight with me. They said, we're testing him for leukemia. And I remember leaving, and, and I was supposed to go back to work, and I called and said, I'm not going to work. I've got to go somewhere else. And I went to the church, and I walked in the front of that of that uh, church where we we were had planted and pastored, and I began to walk, and I learned so in a new way 
the reason for prayer. And I could have gone and complained. I could have gone and yelled at the world. I could have gone, got mad at everything. I didn't know the answer yet, but I went to a place where I had to look through the lens of the possibility and what God sees about any situation. And that, at times, is what prayer does. Prayer is you placing a lens on Prayer is me saying, I know it looks like this, but here's what it can be. I see it in a whole new light. And I went through that place and I said, God, you've called us here. God, we've worked ourselves to death. God, we're lonely. We're tired. Things aren't easy. We've done this, all of this work here. We've poured everything in. And now this has happened to my son. And I begin to pray and say, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not, I speak against it in Jesus' name. Guess what? I believe at that moment the Lord opened up gates and said, in, uh, um, angels, you go, and angels, you go, and angels, you go. I begin to say against leukemia, against anything that's in the blood, against anything that's coming against us, and I begin to tell, tell the Lord, and then I begin to talk to the enemy. And I said, you fought my family, you fought us long enough, and this is it. I was in that dark building all by myself. No one was there, but I felt like I had a host of witnesses that walked in with me. And I spent time that day looking from what was possible or what was reality to seeing what was possible. But I needed to open up the windows of possibilities to allow, I believe, the Lord to work in my life. I had to do it. I I, I, I don't understand how all of it works. I wish I could tell you the theology by all these things. Wouldn't you just say, well, doesn't the Lord just, just open it up automatically? I don't, I, I don't know. Yes, I would think that maybe that could happen in your life. But for me, I believe the Lord was taking me to a deeper place, a deeper place in my relationship where he needed me to call on angels myself. He needed me to see that I can have power. I can speak the word and things can happen because I left there and they told us it'd be three or four days. It says to me three or four days, but I think they saw the, the urgency. They, they, this, this, there was going to be a weekend in between. I was going to have to go and preach, and I'd already had moments where I left the hospital, went straight to the church and preached, and went right back to the hospital. It was, we were tired. We were exhausted. We, we, we needed an answer. And I get a call about two and a half hours after we left there, and they said, is this Mr. Price? And some of you have heard this story. Forgive me for retelling it. You'll probably hear it 98 more times in the next two years, by the way. But I... Uh, I'm driving, and my, my you know, Tara's at home with Indy. My in-laws were actually, they'd, already, they'd come in town, and, and they didn't know that you know, this kind of all happened while they were there, and they were there with Tara. I, I've got one of those ugly cry things going on. You know, I've been like, you know, struggling. And they call and say, is this Mr. Price? And I said, yeah. They said, this is Indy's father. I said, yes, it is. They said, well, this is the lab. We were able to rush your lab work for Indy, and we're able to look at the numbers and I said, okay, well, you're talking about the ones that we, from today, because there was a lot going on. They said, yes. From now, I said, I'm just going to shoot you straight. The ones where they said he might, they're testing him for leukemia. They said, that's right, Mr. Price. I said, okay, well, my wife's not here, but I'm not going to make you call back. Tell me, the, tell me the news. And they said, well, here's the thing. We don't really understand all of this. I said, what do you mean by that? They said, we're certain what we got on the test results that threw us off there at the clinic, but we can't figure out why nothing looks even remotely the same here. I said, hang on a second. You're telling me that it looked obviously different there than it does now at the lab, and the lab core was right down the road from where I was at. 
I said, that's, that's exactly what I'm telling you. There was something, there's something different. And I said, well, I know what's different. I know what's different. I knew exactly what was different. Erica, let me just tell you real fast. I know what was different. That sweet baby walked in here. You brought that baby down and prayed for that heart, and you told me things have changed. I know what's different. I know what's different. Let me tell you right now that there's a reason for us to pray, and it gives us this, this access to this transformative power that we must have. Let me hurry quickly here. There's a third thing I want you to gather, and it's how to pray. Jesus' teachings on prayer, such as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9, 13, and we're going to hurry through that for a moment here, 6, 9 through 13. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Some people believe we ought to just pray this. I also believe, though strongly, this is a template for prayer. You can oftentimes take this and make it a template and break these sections down and understand what this is for us. But Jesus' teachings are very clear that you and I must, must have a structured prayer along with a conversational prayer. There's something to a place or a way that you find this is, I'm trying to get practical just for a moment, but you, there's many people use, um, they'll use a, a, a template and they'll, they'll, they'll break something down and, and, and have a piece of paper and they'll have an acronym or whatever the case may be and they'll create a word. I know people who have, they have words for their family, the last name, and you say, well, that sounds goofy. Well, it's working for them, so it works out great. And there's no, there's no goofy and there's no, I, I, I believe if you're praying, then thank God you're praying. And so, so. So I know people who have, who have uh, they'll use the, the, just the word pray. They start with praise. They have repentance. And then they have, I forget what there's, the other one is, and then the last one is or asking. And then the last one is yielding. What yielding does is that you're spending time just in the presence of the Lord. Some, the problem, some of you aren't getting answers because you're talking too much. You ever feel that way before? It's like I'm trying to tell my kids something and they won't stop talking. I'm like, listen, I'm trying to tell you, stop talking. Like sometimes the Lord's saying, if you just stop for a moment and listen, I'm going to tell you what's going on. So there's something about that yielding. But I'll tell you, there's got to be a, I believe, a structure. There's also got to be time where you just open up and have a conversation in sincerity. And you speak to the Lord. And so, so uh, we, we, we must, must spend time seeking and praying and we must learn that it's got, it's got to have a structure. I had, I had some more on, on, on this part, but I'm going to move forward so we can make sure we have um, the time we need. But the, the fourth part I want you to gather out of this is there's got to be a persistence in prayer. There's got to be a, a, a persistence in prayer. Luke 18, 1 through 8, and we're going to read this together. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You might remember Sister Blevins. Sister Blevins, she'd come and she'd sit right here, kind of where Mom and Monica and Marissa are sitting. She'd sit in this little area, and Sister Blevins was, um, was a sweet lady. She'd get up, and, and, and sometimes she would have a little prayer request time, and she'd say, 
you know, pray for my kids and pray for my family and, and should do that. And then we had others, Sister, I, I believe it was Sister Adcock or I think it was her that would get up and she'd say the same thing over and over and over. And you knew when they said, Sister Adcock, you have a need? And she'd say it. We could all say it together. Yeah, pray for my kids, pray for my family. And yeah, and there it is. Okay, now she's going to sit down. And you should sit down. And at, as a child, you don't, you don't understand how to appreciate that. What she was doing was she was saying, I'm not giving up. You, you can be all, she, Sister Adcock would have said, you can be mad all you want, but I don't care. I ain't messing around. Pray for my kids. Pray for my family. Pray for my home. I'm telling you, some people ought to get persistent in prayer. You ought to make it where it's obvious when you come around the corner. They're telling me to pray for their job again. Well, I'm going to pray for their job. I'm going to pray for the kids. I'm going to pray for the marriage. I'm going to pray for the kids. I'm going to pray for the home. I don't care how tired everybody else gets. The Lord says, bring it to me again. Tell me again. Do it again. I'll do it. I'll do it. Never, ever give up on being committed to prayer. And so he tells us this. He, he wants them to understand that this is setting the stage. Don't give up. Verse 2 and 3, and I'll, 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 I'll paraphrase here. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. It, 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 here's the characters. Here's the people we're talking about. An unjust judge and a persistent widow seeking justice. We have somebody who wants nothing right to happen, and we got one that just wants it to work out with everything she's got. She's desiring that she has, has justice. And so the judge, the, the highlight in his life is his lack of moral concern, which is a world we're living in right now. No one, can, can, uh, no one cares about what's right they, and, and what's wrong. It's all flipped upside down. And so we, here we have this set, uh, this set stage, and we have this, uh, this, this, this uh, uh, um, unexpected turn of events kind of being set up. Verses 4 and 5, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Describes the judge's initial resistance and his eventual decision to grant the justice due to her persistence. And so we have, we have here now this, this, this power. I don't care if the judge, you would say, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice and be a great story if the judge became a believer? That would be great. But all I know is she was praying for her answer, and I don't care how it comes, it came. It came. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust, uh, unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Jesus draws the parallel in this text, contrasting the unjust judge with God who is just a caring, who is, who is uh, just and caring, invites reflection on her to and us to look and understand that this, 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 the power and the certainty of God answering the persistent prayers of his chosen ones is just as, as important today. That you and I, sometimes the reason why the door has not opened is because we've not knocked enough. We've got to knock on the door. We've got to come again and knock on the door again. We've got to go again and say, God, I know you can. I know you're able. I know you can do it. Have you ever heard the story about the old lady who had the hateful neighbor? Some of you probably heard the story before. I've heard it told. I've heard it preached. I can't help but tell it here. She had an apartment, and she would pray to God and pray to God and pray to God and pray to God. And she had a neighbor 
who said, please, ma'am, you're driving me crazy. I don't believe in your God. I want nothing to do with him. I can hear you praying at all hours of the day, and I'm tired of it. Would you please, please, please stop? And she began to just go ahead and pray. She was praying for groceries. She's like, God, please, I need groceries. I've got no groceries I need. She didn't have an income. She was looking. She was at this stage in life where she needed an answer, and she kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. Finally, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run to the grocery store, and I'm going to go buy her some groceries. I'm going to put them in her door. He knocked on the door with all those groceries set there, and she opened the door, and she said, oh, Lord, you've done it. And he said, ah, I caught you. He jumped out of the door, and he said, no, he did not do it. I did it. It was me. It wasn't your Lord. There's no God, he told her. And she said, oh, Lord, you really did it this time. He said, Lord, you provided me groceries and made the devil pay for them. <laughs> And the guy said, what in the world? Let me tell you this real fast. If the devil wants to pay for our groceries, I'll knock all day long. I'll knock and I'll knock and I'll knock and I'll knock and I'll knock. But you've got to understand the need for persistence in prayer. And I'm hurrying here. Last point is that we have to learn. We have to learn. To pray according to God's will. Pray according to God's will. We've got to be careful not to spend time trying to pray to a mythical um, idea of what he could possibly be. I've got to pray and I've got to understand God's will in my life. 1 John 5, 14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. So this, this beginning of this, this is the confidence we have, and, and Bethany, you can play, and I, I promise you I'm about done, but the confidence we have in approaching God is this, this establishes the foundation of the verse that you and I ought to have confidence when coming into the presence of God, we ought to walk in boldness and walk in confidence. You know how I get there sometimes? I know I talk about it often, but I reflect back on all that the Lord did. I reflect back. Brother Jerry, I, I, I hope it's okay, but I reflect back and think about the many days we prayed and we prayed, and then God just, God just fills you. I think back, Sister Sherry, on the time when the doctor said, here's this, and here's these x-rays. And the doctor said, well, something happened. Here's these x-rays. And she was right up in this area. And I'll never forget her breaking out in worship. And I'll never forget. It was, a, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. I'll never forget Sherry and Rich walking in day after day. And God would pray and pray that God would give them a child. And the doctor said it wasn't going to happen. The doctor said this couldn't take place. This couldn't happen. That's not going to happen. And all of a sudden... Riley comes along and then that little brat Bentley comes along I say that jokingly I love those great girls but that's a miracle it's a miracle I could go down this I could go all, all the way through this room where God is blessed and God is touched and God is going to still I believe still do it but sometimes I have to go back and remind myself of the good God we serve i got to go on and build my faith again. And there's nothing wrong with going back and revisiting miracles that the Lord has done to bring them into the present, to pray prayers for things he's not yet done. 
not yet done in my life. And so, so it goes on. It says that if we ask anything, expands this nature to the approach through prayer implies that there's an openness, there's a desire to bring any request to God. There's nothing off limits. Ask anything. I know that sounds crazy, but I've been asking that God breaks the stronghold. This is my exact prayer, and I'm asking you, I'm going to ask you right now to join with me in this over the next few, forever. I've been asking God, break the stronghold of this community. There's a stronghold in this community, and let me just tell you this real, real fast. From things that have happened this week, and I've not shared any of this because this is between me and God, and, and, and the messages and the conversations I've had. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm being as honest as I can be. The Lord is breaking the stronghold on this community. I'm telling you right now, God is doing something, but the reason why it's happened is because we have opened ourselves up and made ourselves available. From, from Celebrate Recovery to the Bible Club to Wednesday night meals, I'm telling you right now, we begin to say, you know what, God? This is yours. This is yours. This is yours. And I believe it's happened. So, so it, it adds this crucial condition, though. This, there's a crucial condition that we have to have. It says, if we ask anything, and then it goes to according to his will. This stresses the importance of aligning our requests with God's plan and purposes. We've got to make sure that we understand that I cannot be far-fetched in the sense that I'm over in left field and saying, God, bring us an ocean. We need an ocean in Clark County. That's not going to happen. But however, I can say, God, there are churches and a whole congregations that we believe will find truth in your word, God. I believe that in Jesus' name. You may not bring them all here, but how about this? Let truth go to that pulpit. Let truth go to that place. I pray in Jesus' name. And it goes a little farther. And it says he hears us. This promise that God actively listens to prayers of his people. That God would stop and sit upon his throne and hear the prayers that you and I are praying. He would hear that muttered prayer on a long, long, long night after you've sat there and you've sacrificed. And you sat there and you put the kids to bed, Mom. And you're tired, you're weak, and you don't know what answer might ever come or if it will come. But yet, yet, yet before you go to bed, you say, Lord, I just need you to do. It, it moves me to think that the God of creation would stop and listen to that prayer and hear my cry. It tells us and it promises us of the intimacy that we can have we pray without the desire he has is simply this that we pray and again I'm not don't, don't get me wrong please don't get me wrong don't misunderstand me if you misunderstand me right now you're wrong and it's on you can I say that I'm not talking about pray when the time's given called in. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about you having a prayer relationship with God that you desire His presence, you desire your time with Him, and you want that. Sister Sheila, thank you for the many times you've, you've called me at times and you've said, I'm praying for you. 
you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I just want you to know that means the world to me because I know you're a praying lady. There's another lady I told you about the other day that called and just wanted names of people. She's praying. There's others that have walked in this room. I know I know that there's many people in this room that spend time praying for these great people, these great kids. You spend time praying for these ministries. You spend time praying for this and you pray for that. You pray for family members. You pray for these and all these things. Here's what I want you to know is the Lord is just opening up the windows of heaven and angels are going to children. Angels are walking with kids in school. Angels, I believe, are going to bed at night with kids and protecting them, protecting their minds. There's no telling what some of these kids are exposed to, but thank God there's an angel that can go ahead and take that out of their heart and out of their mind and try to give them a chance, but it doesn't happen without your prayers. It doesn't happen without us saying God do a work and their lives change their day, change their mindset put a protection about their home. I know we may not see the fruits of all these prayers today or tomorrow, but I'll tell you right now, eternity has changed. The lives have been changed, and I give God glory and praise for that. I want everything God has for me and for these great people. Would you stand to your feet right now? Come on, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord. I'm encouraged right now. The Lord's doing a work. He desires to do a work. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. God, I pray, help us, God. I pray, help us, God. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God. I'm asking you to help us. God, I pray, move on every young person. Move on every child. God, I pray in Jesus' name over P7, the Bible club. I pray that everyone that walks through the doors of Chicken Express, that it's obviously still Chicken Express, but it becomes a sanctuary, God. That is your house when we're there, God. That is the presence that we feel in that place is you. I pray let it become a church. Let it become a place of peace and a hope and assurance. God, let them feel something they feel nowhere else. If that's the only church they go to this whole week, let them feel it at Chicken Express, God. I pray do a work. I pray bless that business for opening their doors to us. I pray bless every young person that's teaching, everyone that's inviting, everyone that's loving kids. I pray in Jesus' name, give us favor, oh God. Give us favor, God. I pray bless, celebrate recovery. God, I'm asking, let an anointing rest. God, what you're wanting to do in this community, I pray, swing the doors wide open. Let no obstacle stop us, Lord, from reaching those who are in need and those who are broken. I pray, Lord, every word that is spoken is a word of life and a word of hope and a word of assurance, just as your word declares. Let them have it, God. I pray, let them have hope. Let them have assurance and let them be built up in faith, God. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, I'm praying. I pray you do something in our services, Lord. I'm praying that any any cynic be delivered, God. Any doubter be delivered, God. I pray any evil spirit that's working against us, I pray let it be overcome with goodness. And I'm not saying do anything. I want everyone, I want everyone, God, to walk in your glory and the presence that is ongoing, God, to know that you can do a work, you can change lives, that you can do a work in every heart, every mind. I pray that you do a work in our services, God. I pray let us be overcome with love. Let us be wrapped up in love for people, wrapped up in joy for your word, God. Let us be desiring you more than anything else, God. I pray in Jesus' name, let it be.
be done, God. And lastly, God, I pray for every need in this place. I pray for every physical need, God. Even the needs, God, we've stopped calling on because it seems redundant. God, we need you to answer. We need you to do a work. And I pray, Lord. I pray let angels be sent to meet these needs, God. I pray let your power, let your power, God, let it heal and change, God, I pray. There are needs that we have in this place, Lord. Faithful, faithful, faithful saints. That we need you to meet this need, God. I pray, Lord, help us. I'm asking in Jesus. Would you just pray right now in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray, help us, oh God. Come on, take a moment. I know it's we're not being but a few more minutes. Our bus kids are gonna have to go home in a moment. Would you just take a minute and pray to him right now and ask the Lord to help us? In Jesus' name.